Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we're exploring how Canadians give and different trends when it comes to contributing to charities in Manitoba as well as nationwide. The Winnipeg Foundation recently hosted an event called Charitable Sector Insights yesterday to talk about these trends, and we'll bring you coverage from some of the things that were discussed. Up first, the president and CEO of Imagine Canada, Bruce McDonald, spoke at the event, and he'll join us in studio to tell us about their recently released report called 30 Years of Giving in Canada. We're going to talk about the trends in the data and what that means for the future of local and national organizations. We'll also speak with Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, to learn about Stressed, Stretched, and Still Standing, which is the Winnipeg Foundation's recently released report that delves into Winnipeg's charitable sector and the specifics of how Manitobans give. And we'll also hear from various attendees at yesterday's event, what they hope to gain, and what they thought of the charitable sector reports. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360. It's Nolan and Robert coming at ya. How you doing today, Rob? Not too bad. How are you doing today, Nolan? I'm doing quite well. I'm going to just put it out there. Go Jets, go. Yeah, uh, I. Uh, you know what? I think the weather outside is looking like a Winnipeg whiteout. I think so. Yesterday was game one, obviously. So congrats to the Jets for making it to the playoffs. Let's, uh, I mean, let's hope they make it to the second round and uh, maybe even beyond. And who knows? Maybe there's a Stanley Cup in Winnipeg's future. How exciting would that be? It's not impossible. It happened, uh, it happened in the early 1900s. So hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you know, with a over a century of waiting, it's uh, it'll be our turn. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, our office has definitely been in the uh, yeah. in the uh, spirit of of uh, the playoffs this week. We've uh, you might have noticed if you've been driving by the Richardson Building, our floor has Go Jets Go uh, right on the, the outside window. window, and our staff have been uh, taking part in the uh, the Winnipeg, Winnipeg whiteout out here in the office. So it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's fun to get caught up in. It's cool, and today, inspired by the Jets, uh, pretty much all the songs, yeah, all the songs today we have are going to be hockey-themed or Jets-themed or whiteout-themed, um, so let's just get to it. What's what's the first Jets inspiration for today, Robert? Well, I think there's no better song that we could kick off today's show with than a classic from Canada's very own Stomp and Tom Connors. Here is the hockey song right here on River City 360. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. Where players dash with skates of flash, the home team trails behind. But they grab the puck and go bursting up and they're down across the line. They storm the trees like bumblebees, they travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside, it's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. 
make me wear hockey players face off down the rink. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream. The puck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I'm now joined by Bruce McDonald. He is the president and CEO of Imagine Canada. And uh, he's here in Winnipeg to present the findings of a recent report that uh, Imagine Canada released called 30 Years of Giving. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for the opportunity. First of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what Imagine Canada is and, and how exactly does it work with Canadian charities to help make the charitable sector stronger? Sure. Well, probably the easiest way to think about Imagine Canada is we're sort of the industry association for charities and nonprofits in this country. And we focus on research and data, things like this report, public policy. We have national standards of service so that Canadians can trust charities. And and there's a number of organizations here in Manitoba that are accredited. Um, And I think it's important to also mention that in the context of this report, that we have partnered with the Rideau Hall Foundation. So established by our most recent Governor General, David Johnston, it was the Rideau Hall Foundation that came up with the idea for this report. And in fact, commissioned Imagine Canada to be the research engine behind it. So they've shown great vision and foresight in creating this report. On April 10th, the report was released, um, and it kind of looks at giving between 1985 to 2014, so a 30-year span. Can you speak to some of the key findings of the report and and some of the trends that you've seen in the past three decades? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think the standout finding, the overall messaging related to the data that we found was that Canadians continue to be extremely generous in their support for charitable organizations in this country. However, there's some warning signs in there. So the number of Canadians who have given over that period of time or continue to give has dropped by a third. But that's been kind of masked by the fact that the average donation size has doubled. So while the total number of dollars are coming in, fewer Canadians are giving. So as we think about the future of the sector, I think that's something that both citizens who want to rely on services need to consider and organizational leaders who are trying to motivate and engage Canadians to donate, they need to be very mindful and aware of this. And I'm wondering if you can speak to, um, that might tie in with this, which is how giving differs among different demographics of Canadians when you compare, uh, you know, gender, age, income, new Canadians. What are some of the, what are some of the trends that you've seen uh, when comparing different demographics? Absolutely. So I, uh, I mean, I could be here all day, but I'll only give you a few, a few <laughs> top findings here. I mean, again, I think what was really interesting is the concentration of giving amongst older adults. So if you think about in 1985, people over 50 were responsible for 54% of receipted donations. So just over half. Fast forward to 2014, and people over 50 are now responsible for 74% 
of donations in this country. Almost three-quarters of all donations are coming from older adults, and that concentration rises even more when you look at people over 70. That's a really significant gain. Uh, absolutely. Um, but as you think about where future dollars are coming from, what does it mean for organizations in attracting younger donors? I think another finding that might surprise a lot of people is the generosity of new Canadians. So we really looked at three types. Native-born Canadians, naturalized citizens, meaning someone who's come to Canada has taken citizenship, and non-citizens. So they're living in Canada but have not become formal citizens yet. It was interesting in the findings that those who are naturalized citizens are in fact more generous on average than native-born Canadians. And by a fair amount. So if we look at the average gift for naturalized citizens is around $672 a year compared to 509 for native-born Canadians. So when people wonder about are those who are arriving on our shores and coming and um, working and living in communities, are they also connected and supporting communities? The answer is absolutely. And in fact, are doing more than those who've lived here for many years. Hmm. Um. So going to uh, the types of causes that Canadians support, um, what are some of those causes that Canadians are more likely to support? And have those percentages, has it shifted over the past 30 years? What has changed in terms of who Canadians are supporting? Yeah, well, again, first of all, repeating that Canadians are extremely generous. And, and when we see the numbers, they, they, they have shifted somewhat. But I, I would say some of those um, key cause areas are, remain the same. So um, by far, the largest cause that receives um, donations is, in fact, faith-based or religion. Um, health is right up there. Uh, international giving and social services. Those are sort of the big four that account for a significant portion of the giving that comes. And and the one that's just, you know, crept into that is is international. And we think that mainly in part because of living in an information era today and technology-enabled giving means that um, international disasters or instances that might evoke an empathetic response from citizens outside that country it is easy now to be able to participate and support those causes. People are just more connected in the Absolutely. information age. Yeah. So they know about it, and they can literally make a donation in two seconds on their phone. And so you alluded to this earlier in talking about the different generations and how older Canadians are making up a greater share of, uh, of the giving that's happening in Canada. And with youth being the next generation of donors, and yet giving is in decline among younger Canadians— when it comes to the young Canadians who do give, what are the things that motivate them? Well, I, I think first and foremost, authenticity and transparency. Um, along, with the, along with youth comes idealism. And what we're seeing right now is that young people are still very trusting of charities, but that they want an authentic engagement. You know, the donation rate for young people, though, has dropped significantly. But we think it's not because young people are not generous. If anything, I would argue that young people have social good in their DNA. It's just unfolding differently than it did for their parents or grandparents. And we have to look at some of those other factors. Coming out of, of post-secondary education with massive student debt, a lack of affordable housing, going from contract to contract without permanent work means it's difficult to become a monthly mission-based giver. What the data clearly tells us is that organizations need to find ways to actively, honestly, and, and intentionally reach out and engage young people in their causes, and likely the dollars will follow. 
So it's it's more than just writing a check every month. It's making sure that that there is actually a little bit more two-way engagement. We, we were talking about with it being the information age, people want that connection. Absolutely. And so that's something that it sounds like charities need to really keep in mind going forward. Absolutely. And I think what we see is young people are looking for that because if they're in the early stages of their career and they're still paying off their, their college or university education and they know that their contract ends in 18 months – likely their choice of civic participation may not be through a a regular monthly gift the way their parents or their grandparents did. They'll choose a different way. Um, It it may be talent and time, you know, classic volunteerism. It may be gathering groups of friends to figure out new ways of solving social problems. We think, though, that engagement, though, will lead to donations when they're able to, a little bit further down the road. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Bruce McDonald, the president and CEO of Imagine Canada, about their 30 years of giving report. We'll hear how technology has impacted giving over the past three decades, and if there are any trends that they found specific to Manitoba that differ from how the rest of Canada is giving. We'll have more with Bruce McDonald of Imagine Canada after this, but right now, here is wonderful Winnipeg, Art Young and the Swinging Strings right here on River City 360. Win a peg, win a peg, wonderful win a peg. Hail my town, hail my home, the world that moves round and round. Win a peg, win a peg, wonderful win a peg, where I belong, enjoys in one long happy song Here are friends and kindly faces Folks I'm glad to know Memories, familiar places To cherish with a glow win a peg. Yet it's home, sweet home to me. River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today. As you heard before the break, 30 Years of Giving, a report by Imagine Canada and the Rideau Hall Foundation, was released this week, and we are joined in studio by Bruce McDonald, 
Imagine Canada's president and CEO to tell us all about it. In talking about that interconnectedness, one of the really big changes over the past 30 years unarguably has been the internet. Not really something that your average everyday Canadian would have been talking about in 85, but uh, it's here today and, and definitely something that plays a role in many Canadians' day-to-day lives. I'm wondering if you can speak to how the internet, uh, social media, and how crowdfunding have changed giving in Canada, if at all. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we were able to get some numbers around crowdfunding out uh, as we looked at this report. So, But to put it in context... Right now, Canadians give annually about $14 billion to causes in this country. The, the number that we were able to see of Canadians giving via crowdfunding to charitable causes is about $350 million. So it's significant, but when you compare it to $14 billion, still the, the vast majority of methods that Canadians are using are different than crowdfunding. What we don't know, however, is we don't have data yet on... When Canadians are giving to um, what I would call a cause or an appeal that's not affiliated with a registered charitable organization. So you see if someone's house burns down, they would put an appeal on a GoFundMe or another platform and people would give to them. They're not a registered charity, so it wouldn't show up in some of the other data collection. Um, but it's interesting as we, as we think about the paradox that charities live in because charities now live in an era of almost unprecedented scrutiny to account for every dollar be totally transparent, which is good, um, and also talk about the impact of the programs, which is also good. And yet, the act of giving to a crowdfunding site for an individual or a citizen that puts out an appeal, people are doing so with absolutely no expectations that those dollars are getting used for what they said they were going to get used for. So the hope is there, but the, the checks and balances aren't. So it's an interesting place as charities kind of navigate their way through this new reality that is crowdfunding. That might be something that pushes charities to focus more on on specific causes and specific projects. Do you see that prompting sort of a, a greater emphasis on a specificity of where that money is going to? Absolutely. I, I think that there's uh, an opportunity here for organizations to learn from what's happening and say, I, I think organizations can can focus more on on stories. Rather than giving to the institution or the organization, putting faces and real stories around the kind of uh, people that will be affected by the gift and that will be benefiting from the support that people would give. Absolutely. I think that's the kind of thing that, that those who work in the sector need to be thinking about. I'm wondering if uh, in the uh, the data uh, released as part of the report, if if you noticed any shifts that differ between what you saw on a national scale and what some of the numbers might be for Manitoba specifically or the Prairie Provinces? Um, yeah, there, there were. Now, uh, to be fair, across the country, um, now Quebec was a little bit different, but for uh, the most of the country, there was a lot of similarities. There was a narrative for Manitoba that emerged uh, that was a little bit different, though. And it was around um, what I would call authenticity of relationships. And we saw when it was, what are the types of ways that Manitobans like to give or don't like to give, they over-indexed on those that were higher on relationships around giving to a colleague at work, being asked by someone they know, um, making sure they actually give directly to a cause, and were less likely to be wowed by someone approaching them in a mall. Um, or, in fact, sometimes online stuff, which is a little less personal. 
And in fact, one of the numbers that was really interesting for us was there was a, a five-point difference compared to the rest of the country about being motivated by being personally affected by a cause. There was this definite theme of personal connection, um, whether it was to the cause or the manner in which they were being asked that was different from the rest of the country. What are some of the biggest uh, takeaways that Canadian charities can get out of the findings of the report? What would you say are maybe some of the two or three of the key points that they should keep in mind? Well, I, I'm going to reframe that slightly. I, I think if anything, charitable leaders from this report need to be asking themselves questions and saying, based on what giving looks like in Canada, is this mirrored in our community and in our organization? Because with a large percentage coming from older adults and in certain ways and, and this opportunity with young people and new Canadians, each organization needs to sit back and say, where are we in that continuum? And how do we adapt and change for what is going to be a new reality? Um, as many of these older Canadians um, you know, move on, that uh, some of those dollars may go through intentional plan gifts back to causes. But if those causes were receiving the the 25 or 50 or $100 that just came out of the bank account, many of those might stop. And it'll be up to their kids and grandkids to decide how that money is spent. So I think the key message for organizational leaders is about adaptation and change and using the data to ask questions about what's happening in their own communities and their own organizations. And for Canadians, would you say that uh, the results of the report is this something that we should feel good about, or are there things that we as Canadians should should kind of be a little bit concerned about regarding our charitable sector? Absolutely, the answer is both. And I think we should feel very good that we live in a nation where citizens care enough about each other to make contributions that support things that might not directly affect them. Sometimes it might, or a family member, but sometimes we're just generous. I think that's wonderful news. I think what we as Canadians need to be thinking about, though, is that the way these services that have been, have been funded over the last number of generations is changing. And if we want those services readily available when we want our, our, our kid to participate in a music program or, or someone in our family has got early signs of mental health issues and we want to be able to readily go and access those services, we as Canadians need to think about how are we participating in ensuring that they're going to be around in the long term. Just keeping that sustainability in mind yeah. for the things the, the, that are The big word I, I often use in this is around intentionality. How are we intentionally thinking about how we contribute to community? Yes, we might give that couple of tunies at the cash register. We might donate when a friend reaches out to us and says, I'm participating in whatever event. How are we sitting down and thinking about what do we as Canadian citizens contribute to our community, plan for it, budget for it, and make that contribution? Is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? Well, just that I think that this is a bit of a landmark report, and we've been very honored to participate, and thank you very much for the time to be able to talk about it. Thank you very much, Bruce McDonald, the President and CEO of Imagine Canada, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. And thanks again to Bruce McDonald from Imagine Canada for speaking with us today. Coming up next, the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation and friend of the show, Rick Frost. He's been on multiple times. We always love having him on the program. He's on his way into the studio to, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the giving habits and philanthropic nature of Manitobans and Winnipeggers in general. Uh, the Winnipeg Foundation just released a new report that's entitled Stressed, 
stretched and still standing, which found that within Winnipeg, although commitment and passion are strong in the, in the philanthropic sector, this sector as a whole is currently stressed and a little bit stretched. So we're going to sort of dig a little deeper about that after our next song. And keeping in the support of the Winnipeg Jets this week, here's a shout out to everyone who participated in the Winnipeg Whiteout yesterday at Game 1. Marty Robbins, a white sport coat, right here on River City 360. A white sport coat and a pink carnation. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. And we're now joined in studio by Rick Frost. He's the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. Rick, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Nolan. Well, you've been here a few times, I guess. Happy to have you back again. Uh, Today we're talking about an upcoming report uh, that actually was just released this week that the Winnipeg Foundation sent out called Stressed, Stretched, and Still Standing, which is basically examining how Winnipeg charities are faring just amongst national trends and amongst amongst different giving trends. Um, And just uh, is going to kind of talk about how Winnipeggers give, how much they give, why they give, and to whom. So maybe just give us a little breakdown about what inspired uh, this report and why uh, you felt it necessary to do. Well, the Winnipeg Foundation is in the process of developing its next strategic plan for 2019 to 21. And as part of that, we did a broad public consultation called Vital Signs. Many people have heard of Vital Signs, which was sort of a public consultation. And now we're really looking at what the agencies are saying to us 
uh, back and we came at it from a couple of different perspectives. Uh, we wanted to do some of our own individual research that we were doing. We did some survey work and then we brought some people together for some conversations. So we've been asking charities what are the big factors that they see and, and, and basically obviously we're thinking about how should it, how should it influence our planning for, 20, uh, for, for, for 2020-21 as right. we look forward to the next 100 years. Has there been anything in this in the report that surprised you? or that you that kind of took you aback or you thought, huh, I didn't think that that was the case. Well, yeah, there was one thing that really quite surprised me, actually. We were surveying a lot of different organizations. Um, in the end, we looked at uh, 439 organizations um, in terms of data that we we're able to gather from CRA and looking at revenue streams. Um, and for the most part, across the averaging, you're seeing 5% revenue growth over the two years we looked at, which was 13, 14, and 15, and that, that time frame, 2013, 14, and 15, 5% over two years revenue growth, which would translate into about 2.5% a year, sort of an inflationary Oh, like giving inflation? Growth. Yeah, sort of they're keeping up with inflation on the revenue side. So that's not really very surprising at all. But when we looked at Indigenous-led organizations, um, we were able to extract 22 Indigenous-led organizations from the database, and their revenue increased by only 1%. Hmm. And that did quite surprise me. Um, we're, you know, in the city, we're talking an awful lot about reconciliation. It's high on the foundation's agenda. It's really high on everybody's agenda right today, for sure, after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. But looking back five years ago, which is the latest data that we've got available to us, um, it's interesting to see that while most organizations, on average, were seeing a 5% increase, Indigenous-led organizations were only seeing 1%. So that, that, that really quite, quite did surprise me. Interesting. So why is the report called Stress? St I mean, I can guess why it's called uh, Stressed, Stretched, and Still Standing. I think it speaks to the, uh, the resilience and, and the sort of, uh, you know, friendly Manitoba. We just kind of get things done, and sometimes it's exhausting, but we just get her done. So why did you name it that report, and, and what, is, what is the significance of the name, I guess? Well, I, I mean, clearly it talks to the resilience of the, uh, of the sector, for sure, and that's the still standing part, but there's no also no question that the sector is stressed. Most uh, organizations working in the charitable sector feel that there's a need that they're not meeting, that they're struggling to just basically provide basic services and they can see a lot more need that, that, that they're not addressing. So that's a, that's a very big um, issue uh, for them. Their, their resources are stretched. Um, um, we talk a lot in the report about the, how they get their revenues and, and um, sort of what about 50% of revenues come from government, and as we know, all know governments are cutting back. Right. Um, it's an interesting story on the charitable sector because from the charity side, the giving side um, that comes out of this report, I think, um, Manitobans are, of course, the most generous people in the country. So we've got to start there and say, thank goodness we work in a place where people are so generous because that, no you know, that's a good way to look at it. But having said that, when you look at the numbers, we looked at over sort of a 20-year period, um, the number of people who are filing tax claims in Manitoba have grown by about 80,000 over that 20-year period. So it's about 80,000 more people filing tax claims. Okay. And during that time, you would think if we're the most generous, we would be seeing the number of tax filers who make charitable claims also going up significantly. But in fact, they go down. Oh. So um, It's fewer people just giving more then? So fewer people are giving more. The average gift... Um, 
20 years ago was about, I'm going to use a broad number, say $1,000 if someone is making a claim on mm-hmm. average. Today it's $2,000. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing is that the total value of gifts is actually going up, dollar value is going up, but the number of people making those gifts mm-hmm. is going down, particularly as a percentage of Manitoba's population. So yes, we lead the country. We're the most generous people in the country. Um, but when you add 80,000 new tax filers and you actually lose donors in the mm-hmm. process, you can see the struggle that's going on for the charitable sector. So government funding, which is the is very major important fu- source of funding, very strained, uh, certainly lots of concern about provincial funding particularly. Uh, but also on the donor side, you know, we're we're relying more heavily on fewer donors, and and as a result, that's also causing stress and For strain. Sure. What do you hope the average person uh, gleans from this report? If if just uh, Joe Blow on the street goes to the WPGFDN.org, reads the report, and kind of gets some information, do you think that there's much value there, or what are you hoping that sort of the average donor can take away? Well, first of all, I think volunteerism is really important. Mm-hmm. and most does, it take, char- does this report take into account volunteer hours and stuff? It, talks, yeah. okay. it doesn't talk about volunteer hours, but it talks a bit about, from the agency's perspective, how, how important boards right. are. And, they, and agencies generally feel very supported by their boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that compassion drives the sector. So, you know, having a compassionate and dedicated board is very important. Um, but having said that, um, especially smaller charities are talking about the difficulty of recruiting new board members. So we need volunteers who are willing to take leadership positions. Mm-hmm. So the ordinary person on the street reading the report might pick that point up. Mm-hmm. But of course, the report wasn't written for the ordinary person on the street. It was written more for the Winnipeg Foundation. Right. And what are we hearing? Yeah. And, I, and I think that there's a number of conclusions that I can speak to sure. about the foundation. Um, certainly, I think the... Um, the idea of continuing multi-year funding, which we've yeah. sort of been, you know, we've switched a lot of our, some of our grants, at least from one year to three year granting and trying to give, so you're not having to come in three times, you get a little more yeah. stability. So I think that that's really important. Um, sort of promoting charitable giving across the sector, not just, you know, not just give to the Winnipeg Foundation, but give to your favorite charity, wherever it is. Like, let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's make sure we're doing that. I think we've got to look at... Um, supporting organizations that are looking at um, potential mergers or partnerships or anything like that where they're trying to get better bang for the buck. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I think that that's an important piece. Um, There's a lot about convening, uh, potential for us convening ideas or convening groups around um, sharing ideas Mm -hmm. and, and that sort of activity, professional development opportunities, smaller organizations, again, really struggling to, um, to necessarily have training opportunities for their staff and that sort of thing. So we've so there's an opportunity again for the Winnipeg Foundation to beef up our budgets for professional development that we that we have there and put more emphasis on that. So I think that there's um, I've already mentioned the indigenous led. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got to have a closer look at that number for sure, um, and find out why money's not finding its way there. Um, sure. So. So I think that there's a number of things for the Winnipeg Foundation to think about. And, yeah. and so I think that that's what the report was. We're writing our strategic plan, and this is input that can influence how we think about the next three years. So you've been CEO for over 20 years. What are the trends like, and is this year, is this most recent report sort of par for the course, or how are you seeing the, the future in Winnipeg in the next 10, 15, 20 years when it comes to charitable giving? 
Well, I think we shouldn't take it for granted. We lead the country, um, and everybody ta- everybody takes great pride in that. If you're maybe some people pay, don't pay that much attention, but those of us who are in the charitable sector, we take great pride in the fact that we live in a very generous province. For sure. And um, but this is not something we should take for granted. I think that that's we we need to recognize that 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 the giving levels are that the number of participants giving levels themselves are going up, but the number it's a bit of a mixed message, but the number of people who are giving is going down. Mm -hmm. So the question gets to be, how do we sort of promote that climate of philanthropy that's so strong in our province, in our prairie roots, as new new people come to the the city and that sort of thing, how are we gonna build that? I think that that's a a big message. Um, Larger organizations are faring, uh, are having an easier time, I think, than smaller organizations. So I think there's some questions in there about, you know, can we afford to keep adding more and more charities all the time? Right. Um, you know, I think the duplication questions sort of come up and, and, you know, a special need emerges. People are passionate, so they want to start a new charity. For right? sure. And uh, the net result is that we're sort of being spread thinner. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a factor that we have that we have to think about. Um, yeah, there's a there's a number of things that's uh, provocative, I guess, for those of us. Um, in the sector, when you read a report like this, to just reflect on, you know, what does it mean for the next 10 or 15 years as uh, giving patterns change and uh, and people's uh, attitudes change for towards sure. the charitable sector? Absolutely. Well, it's a lot to think about. So if you're involved in any sort of uh, charitable organization and want to learn a little bit more information, you go, can go to the Winnipeg Foundation's website, wpgfdn.org, and you can read the Stressed, Stretched, and Still Standing report, which was uh, released yesterday, I think. Uh, Rick Frost, thank you very much for talking to us today. Great we to appreciate here, your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Nolan, and thanks again to Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation and friend of the show. If you'd like to read the full report called Stressed, Stretched, and Still Standing, you can download the entire report at the Winnipeg Foundation website, which is wpgfdn.org. Again, that's wpgfdn.org. Speaking of stressed, stretched, and still standing, and this could equally apply to our, maybe our Winnipeg Jets as well, here is Elton John with I'm Still Standing right here on River City 360. You'd be a clown by now. No, I'm still 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here, Robert Zirk there. You know, Robert, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Winnipeg Foundation held an event yesterday talking about national and local charities and sort of the current trends of how people are giving. Thanks to the 30 Years of Giving in Canada report that was just released by Imagine Canada and the Rideau Hall Foundation. The event was attended by many of the wonderful organizations that we tend to feature here on RC360, and we were actually able to speak with some of the attendees to see what they took away from the event. Up first, I spoke with Jeff Langan after the event wrapped up, and he shared a few of his takeaways. Hi, my name is Jeff Langan, and uh, I'm here today wearing my Gas Station Art Center hat, and then I work at the United Way Winnipeg as well. So uh, I have uh, a foot in both the uh, philanthropic organization and a charitable not-for-profit. So I've done a little bit of research on Imagine Canada. We consider them to really be the gold standard, and uh, so it was exciting to have the president and CEO in. Um, I don't think there was a lot here that we haven't been talking about in the charitable sector already, although he presented it in a very different way and it was very energizing and very interesting. Um, he talked a little bit about civil society, which uh, I thought was a nice way to frame that. Uh, newcomer communities uh, and dispelling some of the myth around giving within newcomer communities, but also challenging us as charitable organizations to look at how we access and how we include and how we build newcomer communities in. There's an interesting question about uh, Indigenous philanthropy and the challenge that the data just isn't capturing that right now. Uh, and so that's someplace I'd love to put a little bit more uh, energy in. I know Imagine Canada and I'm pretty sure the Winnipeg Foundation and I know the United Way of Winnipeg are all part of the Indigenous philanthropic circles and so that that's certainly in a place where there is energy and time going. Uh, so um, lots, I found it really energizing. I go back wanting to do a little bit of research myself and then trying to challenge myself on how we think about the process of both uh collecting and uh, uh accessing donors within the the manitoba uh, philanthropic sector and then also as a charitable organization uh, how we look at what we deliver and how we change our asks a little bit as well yeah he spoke a lot about um not being afraid to Put yourself out there. Be a little bit vulnerable. Uh, what what, are, what what was something that you're going to really take away that you didn't uh, kind of walk into your thinking about? So, um, I, I mean, we all have websites. Uh, and one of the things that he had said is, uh, you know, you need to look at your website and you need to be transparent. And you need to also include, as you said, the places where we perhaps do not succeed. My bet is that most of the organizations that are in the room today don't have their audited financials actually posted on their uh, website, which is an Imagine Canada standard. So um, uh, I, uh, on a tangible work kind of thing, I am actually going to go back and take a look at the, the website. And uh, we're in the process of redesigning that for the gas station. And so it's now left me with a little list of, okay, so I need to, when I'm talking with the designer, I need these things that are part of that as well. Any, any other thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Well, I'm just feel, thrilled that the Winnipeg Foundation puts this together. Uh, it's a great opportunity to bring a lot of people into the room uh, to ask some great questions to have some uh, really good discussion and to really energize this sector as well. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Our very own Sonny Primolo also spoke with Hussein Adam from the African Community Association of Manitoba about his thoughts on the event as well. Uh, Hussein Adam, African Communities of Manitoba, Incorporated. I'm trying to find out some more information about how we can best respond to the needs of the community and what's there uh, for us to facilitate our initiative. I think he took us out of the uh, micro 
perspective that we had, you know, and gave us kind of a general uh, overview of what's going on and uh, some of the concerning areas, right? Um, also the pre you know predictions for the future, what might happen if the trends continue as they are right now. Uh, so it's kind of in sync with our worries as well, and I think that this will help us in, in responding to the needs of our clients or also uh, the organization that we serve. I think um, the surveys are very important because we work alongside uh, different organizations. Uh, so knowing what's going on with them and that the concerns um, are similar you know, throughout the whole sector. Right. So it's, it's, it's very important for us to know that sometimes you're so focused on your own thing, you think that it's only your situation, that uh, you know, it's an uphill battle just for you, but it's really kind of a similar battle and that the Winnipeg Foundation recognizes that and also wants to respond you know, to that. Well, the African communities of Manitoba, uh, also known as ACOMI, is an umbrella organization that serves all the African communities. The programs that we operate within our organization serve various needs like the arts, uh, music, education. So our focus right now has become more about also mediation services. Uh, we have a lot of our youth that have been involved in uh, the justice system. Right? How do we mediate that? How do we prevent more criminal records you know, within the communities? Also advocating uh, for these participants, you know, who are members of various nonprofit organizations that are within the city. So we, we kind of serve as the body that brings the whole community together and discuss uh, the issues that we have. The community council is made up of all the affiliate organizations, so we're held accountable by all those that are the African communities and also what we call the honorary Africans. So organizations that we work with, uh, we consider them honorary Africans. They're just as much a part of the organization just like anybody else. So we work together to try and cater to the youth and the needs of our community. It's been a little bit tough, you know, with the funding challenges that we have, but it's an uphill battle that we see. It's not just us, but uh, many other organizations are undergoing the same problems. Yeah. Sunny also spoke with Kathy Neal from Silo Mission, and she shared her experience with Sunny as well. My name is Kathy Neal, and I'm the Director of Development at Silo Mission. Well, what I was really looking for was, uh, you know, insights into the charitable sector, the trends that we're seeing, whether or not our understanding of the trends and how we're responding to them is on strategy, and really just to learn more and, of course, network with my colleagues. In many ways, I think our strategies at Silo Mission were validated, but there were many, many exciting new ideas. Uh, one thing I was very excited about was the idea of partnership uh, throughout the charitable sector. At Silo Mission, that's something that we're looking at more and more. Uh, we do that already, but of course we want to increase our partnerships because we want to avoid duplication of service. So it's very exciting to me that the Winnipeg Foundation is also looking in that direction and that uh, charities in general are just more open to that these days. I think there were so many uh, wonderful points that he made. I could have listened to him for another hour. I think that we live in a very, very diverse province, a very welcoming province, and 
You know, it's interesting to me because we invite uh, new Canadians into our organizations, into our homes, but we don't really invite them to be donors as much as we could. And again, you know, what's the number one reason uh, people don't donate? It's if no one asks them. So that's something that uh, certainly that's a population that we serve and are proud to serve. And uh, I'll be looking at that you know, a little bit differently perhaps in the future. Siloam Mission is very much in the, in the business of transition. Uh, our goal is not just to feed and shelter people, which of course addresses their immediate needs, but our end game is always to help people uh, fulfill their highest potential, whatever that may be for them. So we're always looking at ways to help people transition out of homelessness and poverty into their own homes, employment, and just living a, a better life for themselves. And I had the opportunity to speak with Lori Hunter from New Directions, and she noted the importance for Manitoba charities to connect with audiences and share their stories of success. It's, it's not new that we're Manitobans are the most generous. That has long been the case. Um, and, and just one little line in there, why haven't people given because they haven't been asked and so we need to reflect on are we asking are we reaching out and asking are we telling our stories are we getting those stories to people and yes it's a struggle because the that's not the nature of what our work is our work is you know supporting our participants to have better lives so the other part is extra but it it still has to be done we have to find ways to do that and I'm happy to hear that Things like the professional development grants will continue and maybe increase because we need to make sure that we have ways of increasing capacity in our organizations. Thanks, Robert, and thanks to everyone who spoke with us yesterday at the event. We've got time for some more musical goodness here on the program, and uh, all day, as you may have heard, we've been playing songs that are inspired by your Winnipeg Jets, so here's hoping they win many games on the way to the Stanley Cup. We obviously know it won't be easy, but here's Marvin Hamlish with Easy Winners right here on RC360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. That was Marvin Hamlish with Easy Winners, and uh, probably won't be quite as easy of a uh, of a journey to the uh, to the Stanley Cup. But let's hope that the uh, that the Winnipeg Jets can make it all the way. So we're rooting for you. Go Jets, go! And we have time for one last song before we say goodbye today. And in keeping with our Jets theme, here are the Cow Sills with "We Can Fly" right here on River City 360. Fluffy clouds move by us. See how the clouds move by. See how the morning mist can hide us away. Hide us away. But now it's so much fun. What? Isn't it groovy in a daydream? Dreaming today. Doesn't the day seem like it could never end? And so, my friend, we're Beside me we can Beside me we can That's a wrap for this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today and a huge thank you to all of our guests for sitting with sitting down with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. What are your thoughts on giving in Canada or charitable giving in Winnipeg? Anything we discussed on the show, we would love to hear your feedback. If you have a song request or just want to say hi, tell us how we're doing, give us a call on our listener line. The number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also send us an email if you prefer. The address is rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. And our listener line number one more time, just in case you didn't have a chance to write it down, is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at rivercity360 on Twitter. 
Twitter and River City 360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. <laughs>